welcome everybody back. West Vancouver Magazine podcast. As you know, we have an awful lot of fun on air because we get to speak to a lot of fun and famous people. Well, I am a huge fan of this man. We've managed to get him on the air with us today. We are welcoming everybody, Jas Johal. Jas, now I'm going to build you up a little bit here because some people go, I know that name. Isn't he that global BC reporter guy? And the answer is yes. And they'll go, I know that name because I think I voted for him. He's a really great guy. So we're going to talk about all of that today. Jazz, welcome to our show. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Now, again, I'm going to embarrass you right off the bat here because, as I said, I am a big fan, not only of your work, but of the station CKNW. I find it to be a great source of news. You are following in the shoes of many greats there because, if I'm correct on this, starting August 23rd, we are going to have the pleasure of listening to the Jazz Joe Hall Show every day, Monday to Friday, between 3 and 6 p.m. Congratulations. This is your new job. Yeah, thank you so much. It's uh, it's incredibly exciting. Uh, I'm a little nervous, uh, just in the sense that uh, it is such a wonderful station. It's a heritage station, uh, as you had mentioned. You know, 30 years ago this year, I actually started it at CKNW as an assistant producer on the Bill Good Show. Um, so in many ways, uh, with this announcement, it's a, it's a case for me to come back home. So it's always meant a lot. When my first job out of journalism school was at CKNW, you know, you're surrounded by greats at that time, like Bill Good, <laughs> Rafe Mayer, Gary Bannerman, uh, Fanny Kiefer, uh, many greats uh, and great broadcasters uh, that uh, are known uh, throughout this province. Uh, and now to be able to sit and do a show uh, that this uh, that this group at one time did or certainly have built the station, it's a tremendous, tremendous honor. Well, you are following in the shoes of the greats again, Bill Good, uh, just a legend here in BC, Bill Good uh, Senior as well. The station is, is filled with names that everyone knows. Uh, Rafe Mayer and Christy Clark are also names that pop up on the NW list. And uh, again, very kind of appropriate to you because, as I said, I know you first and I'm a fan of your work with Global BC and Global National. You have, a, I mean, gosh, you, you've won it all. You've done Webster Awards. As I said, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit here. You've won a media fellowship from the Asia Pacific Foundation. Um, in 2008, I think you were one of the 100 Vancouver Sun elected you one of the 100 most influential Indo-Canadians in BC. You're a dad. You are. You you do it all. I mean, as I said, to make the rest of us look kind of like a, you know pretty pretty bad here by comparison. You've you've been stationed all over the world, Beijing, New Delhi, but you did run for politics as well. So tell us a little bit about that transition between being this award-winning reporter and then you transitioned into politics and communications. Yeah, I, after, you know, I've been at Global for 20 years and had the CKNW to that. That's a, nearly a quarter century broadcasting. And I just felt uh, I needed to do something different. And it's, it wasn't um, where I worked or what work I was doing. I just felt I needed to do something different. So I moved on to corporate communications. At that point, moving with, working with the BC LNG Alliance, BC Liquefied Natural Gas Alliance, where they had seven members trying to build these large uh, liquefied natural plants natural gas plants, and one of those members, as you know, uh, Shell, uh, uh, moved forward in their project with the largest private sector investment in the history of this country at $42 billion, which they're building now. The LNG plant would be in Kitimat. 
I spent uh, just over two years there, but it was an amazing experience because you got to travel the province, speak to people people of all walks of life, uh, whether it be downtown Vancouver to First Nations communities in the north, chambers of commerce. Uh, at the same time, you're dealing with the ministers and deputy ministers in Ottawa, uh, and you're traveling uh, with the coalition uh, to meet with the diplomats and, uh, and uh, government officials in Japan and Korea and China. Uh, and you're dealing with these large multinational energy companies that are in the midst of this energy transition. At the same time, they have projects around the world, and this project in British Columbia, this one project in British Columbia is very unique. So you got to see a, a different uh, side of British Columbia for me. I learned a lot, uh, and I felt it was very important for me because I had all this global or international experience, and to use that experience, particularly in my time working in Asia, in a context of trying to get a large-scale LNG plant built. So I thought it was, uh, it worked out really well for me, and I enjoyed my time there. Um, you know, at the core of it, I've always believed uh, in public service as well. And so when the opportunity came uh, soon after uh, to run for the BC Liberals, um, you know, I, I'm not one of those people who likes to sit around and overthink things. I, I just felt, <laughs> my God, it was the right thing to do. Uh, and I'm glad I did it. I, um, you know, our government did fall. We stayed in government for about three weeks after the election. Uh, but my time, whether in government or in opposition, I, I don't regret it at all. I, it was a tremendous experience. Um, you know, you got to sit and, and really debate broad public policy issues that are really important to people at British Columbia, and you can drive some of that conversation as an elected official. Uh, you were debating the premiers, senior ministers, the question period. Uh, I enjoyed all of that. I, I enjoyed the constituency work as well, where you know, you're know trying to help people who may have been lost in the shuffle within government, whether it's somebody right, right. whose care card uh, isn't, being, uh, isn't being recognized or a myriad of issues uh, that you know, where people get lost in the bureaucracy where you can help folks. Uh, I enjoyed it tremendously. I, I, uh, I uh, you know, I don't regret one day of that job. Uh, it was personally fulfilling for me on a, on, a, on a local level. And just in regards to having that broader conversation on such big issues, whether it be climate change, whether it be Site C, whether it be ride hailing, whatever those issues are, we're having those conversations and, and really driving debate, which is really important for me. And so in many ways, that the totality of that experience, the local news, uh, traveling British Columbia for all these 20 years, and then moving to national news, and then being a bureau chief for global national in India, and then moving to China. And along the way, you're covering that region, whether it's South Asia, you got your in Afghanistan, I've been there seven times, Pakistan, wow. Japan, and Korea. And then because I covered a lot of conflict zones, uh, even in my time in China, I, was, I always wanted to be the go-to bureau, which we in many ways were. We covered the Arab Spring. We were in Egypt, and we were in Libya as well. Um, so that experience, I think the totality of that experience between journalism, corporate communications, working with large energy companies and government, and uh, all of that it, it really helps me in my new position, I hope, when you're a talk show host, dealing with a variety <laughs> of issues, local, national, and global. And I think uh, it was the right time. It was, it's a good fit, I believe. So it, uh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, I was just, you know, I, what topics are important to you? I mean, I think you gave us a broad scale there. But you know what I like most about dealing with um, journalists? I think in our job, we're trained to look for both sides of the story, or as I like to say, 
all sides of the story. I don't think of things quite binary like that. There's left, there's right. You know, I think there's a, a you know a dimensionality to any story and any coverage of a story. And I, I think today it is very important to bring that point out because as a transition to a talk show host or even as a communications person, as you did with the LNG group and that, our job has always been to find out the full information and not to maybe tell people what to think, but to give them the facts and to listen. So I think you've got all the great credentials to be a talk show host, but you know, um, topics out there, energy, um, success for BC, our diversity, you certainly have covered it. You've got the international experience. Now, what topics do you think are coming up here for people that are, are you know, what are you going to hit the show off? with here there's a lot to choose from yeah. these days and if you want to get exciting about it i think uh somebody i think a governor just no I'm, we know a governor just resigned today but i don't <laughs> want to make this so topical that we uh lose that yeah. story in a day and a half but what are you going to kick off with on your show topic wise i'm uh you know for me when i look at the broad issues i think covid overrides everything at the moment and with this delta variant that's out there um it, it's playing a uh outsized role still in regards to coverage, and it will do so. I think people perhaps felt COVID is in the rearview mirror, but with the Delta variant, with what we're seeing in the central interior, I think it's a topic we can't get away from, particularly with kids going back to school. I think that's a, a real, real big issue. You know, I think um, uh, when we launched the show, we could very much be in the middle uh, of a federal election. Uh, that, of course, is going to keep us very busy uh, as well. And, and then thirdly, I think, you know, broadly, Catherine, when I look at the world, I think we're going through a, a generational reset. And what I mean by that is that if you look at the late 60s and 70s, you saw a baby boomer generation coming of age. You had the civil rights movement. Um, you had the Vietnam War. You had the FLQ crisis here in Canada. You had the oil embargo. It was a new generation of mindset that was breaking away from the previous generation. Today, I think to a certain degree, while you can't always look to the past to define the future, I do believe that today you're seeing a millennial generation, a big swath of the population, that is coming of age politically. Now, it doesn't mean their values are any different from baby boomers, but I think they are challenging the status quo. Add to that technical disruption that is before us. Add to that yes. the rise of Asia. Add on top of that the bigger existential challenge before us, which is climate change. All those issues are sort of percolating, and each day those topics sort of uh, you know, pop up in regards to different stories that we see. But I fundamentally believe we're in the midst of that broader generational reset. I think yeah. the 2020s are going to continue to see this populism that's there before we get to a new normal. And the new normal in the 80s uh, you know, doesn't mean there weren't crises, there weren't problems. Of course there are. There are always going to be. But it was a reset of society, and, and it led to eventually – uh, a broader expansion and generally prosperity overall in the last 30 to 40 years, although we have a lot of challenges before us. And I think we're in that moment again where we are now in that generational reset, and it's going to take 10 years or so to get through all these challenges that are there before us. Climate change is going to take longer, of course, but once we have that sort of value system decided and that cultural conversation decided, we then move forward. So each day in regards to picking stories, that's the core philosophy and theory that I go into every day uh, to say what's important today. And most importantly, I try to answer why, the context, especially when you're on from 3 to 6 o'clock. You're going to hear the news <laughs> yeah. of the day in the morning. Uh, you may, may, may be scrolling along on Twitter uh, during your lunch hour at work, and then you're heading home. And you're going to go, give me some context for this world, right? What does this all mean? 
They're right? gonna be. They're just gonna be sufficiently pissed off by three o'clock to want to get on the phone and have a <laughs> well, good yell about it with you, right? Yeah, so. <laughs> it's a certain degree. I mean, I, I do want to. I do want to make sure people can vent, but you know, I also know that I don't want angry people driving out there and say, "Jazz has made me angry." No, I don't want that at all. I mean, I think that's hey. one thing about me. I, 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 I'm known as being an aggressive interviewer, but at the same time, I really believe I'm a good listener, and I know what I know, but I also know what I don't know. And that means listening to guests that you have on. And also, I fundamentally believe in the wisdom of everyday people. Um, and I think there's lots of my own uh, listeners will teach me about as well. And I think if you facilitate that conversation, that's what I want to do is facilitate that conversation and be a part of it. Yeah, you, you can't always yell and scream. definitely in for a challenge. No, you, you know what? And uh, you bring up some w wonderful points. The issues, and I, I, I couldn't agree more. I don't, I don't think people's level of caring for one issue or another has particularly changed. I think the delivery system has completely changed, and the ethics around that delivery system have changed, even in our own version of the media. You know, it's, it's hard sometimes to listen to some reporters these days. And I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. Because you mm -hmm. are on a show, and you do have an opinion and you have a right to step out into that arena with it. But it's very hard to listen to somebody who's supposed to be reporting the facts kind of sound like they're cheerleading for one side or the other. I find the balance is losing itself among a lot of opinionating. Of course, you mentioned big tech here. So I want to harken back again to the history of NW here because two of my favorite people on NW were Philip Till and John McComb. And they used to do this thing. Um, I used to call it like the little Muppet guys. Up, Remember the Muppet show with the two guys yeah. that disagreed yeah. with everything? Well, they In were the Waldorf quite and like Statler. that. There Waldorf you go. I'm not, okay, first of all, I'm not calling them Waldorf and Statler. I have a great deal of respect for these men. But what I loved with they did is they took the pro and the con all right and they did it for debate sake now we all know what happens to debate on the internet today it, it makes me very sad debate equals hate people just lose lose it they, their heads just blow off their shoulders these days we seem to have lost that art of debate and the art that philip till and john mccomb did so well it was one of my favorite segments now you, yeah. of course, and your predecessor, Linda Steele, of course, took to Twitter. And I saw a few things that Linda went through, and I'm just going to say it. Some of the abuse she took from some of the people. Now, it's an open line talk show. You're always going to get all kinds of people who want to talk, but you said something very important. You're going to bring it back to that. You're going to listen to your viewers. Sorry, you're going to listen to your audience. You're going to engage in the debate. How are you going to keep yourself as safe and away from this? I mean, Twitter, it just degrades to a cesspool some yeah. days. It really does. How are you going to bring that element to bear? Well, you know, I, I look, I, I've had uh, four years of training in regards to abuse. It's called politics. And, and, and there's no better place than <laughs> social media. I mean, you get up in the morning, somebody doesn't like you. And it's just, it's shortened the life of a lot of political leaders as well, just because of the constant yes. abuse. Right. And I think you have to, you know, I, I think that the, 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 the people's perceptions and views of social media have turned, you know, they're, they're not as positive on Facebook or Twitter as they once were. Uh, there are, you know, I look at my Twitter feed, I view it as where can I get some good information? Generally, they're tweets from smart people, uh, learned individuals, experts, uh, and articles that people post generally for mainstream media, but that has been do I've been doing it for a very long time. And so it's important yeah. in regards to that. So I think, look, I got to be challenge. I got to be challenging listeners once in a while on certain issues, and I am paid to have an opinion, but I don't need to be strident. Uh, I don't need to be in your face. That American talk show format doesn't work in Canada. It just doesn't, <laughs> no, it doesn't and does it, it doesn't help democracy. It doesn't help communities. 
And I think there's there's times like look look if you look at this uh, COVID issue now, we have a debate going on those who are vaxxed and those who aren't vaxxed. Mm-hmm. Um, you're entitled uh, to your opinion. You're not entitled to your own facts, and that's the challenge we have in society where you can say we've yes. got this whataboutism all the time. Now you can pick your own expert and say, well, that's the opinion I want to believe. Let me find the opinions that I like. I'll take that. I'll take a little that. It doesn't work that way. And so Facebook and social media have really impacted the public discourse, not for the positive. Uh, And that's a challenge for mainstream media. And that's something I think just experience. You've got to decipher through that stuff and say what's real, what's not real, particularly in an era of fake news. I mean, I I think it's going to be every day where you've got to come in and say, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this, but be open and Come in every day when you do a show with humility. When you come in and say, I don't know everything, and I'm okay saying that, but let me tell me what you think, or get some experts on who can explain it to you a little bit further, and take calls from your listeners. I think it's, it's about having that conversation, as you said, Catherine, and really continuing that and doing that on a regular basis where you create okay. an environment, where you actually create a show that people want to listen to. It's not going to be one show or one get. A one get in the local market doesn't mean anything. It's that consistency that you build and the environment you build in and around your show. We go, okay, I like Jazz because he gives his thoughts because of his experience in politics and journalism and, 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 and working for corporate communications. But here's what I think as well, and I've got to be open to that as well. I will challenge people and I will push people where required with a healthy dose, of hopefully, of common sense, practicality, and some persistence. But at the end of the day, it's also about listening, and that's what's most important for me. There you go. Well, listen, the low-info voter or the low-info news consumer, they're terrible terms, but um, we bandy them about in our industry quite a bit because people do just read tweets or headlines or this or that. So to add some in-depth um, discussion behind it at Jazz seems like an amazing um, focus for your show. I wish you good luck with that. I, I know you'll be able to do it great. Now, what do you think the rest of this year is going to look like? Well, if you look at the year, we, it's hard to believe, Catherine, but you know, it, we, you and I are talking now, it's, uh, it's August. I know, right? I know. Or as I like to say, four months till Christmas. So oh, if you don't, think of, don't. I know. Don't do but that. But if you think about the first conversation around COVID was January of, let's say, uh, 2020, uh, 2020. We are four, we're almost two years into COVID. So it'll still loom large, and it's still a conversation that we'll have to be having right up until Christmas because there are going to be variants, and we may be doing well here, but it, yeah. it, but China needs to do well. India needs to do well. Europe needs to do well. So the variants that are coming from other parts of the world, uh, we're still going to be talking about COVID next year, and that's just part and parcel uh, of what we're doing. I think food security is an issue that I'd like to be focusing on coming up this fall as well because I think there's some issues in and around that here in British Columbia. Food security. That's going to be very important in regards to what does the ALR look like in the third decade of the 21st century? Can we uh, move towards more technology for farming, which may require us to use farmland? And ALR propo- being, Jack? The Agricultural Land Reserve. Agricultural Land Reserve, where we, where we grow our food when you drive through the valley. Uh, you know, it's, it's sacred to British Columbians that we must protect our farmland. But there are many who say with technology, we should be allowing greater industrial use of that, meaning processing of food, those types of things. Uh, you know, the Netherlands are a classic example of an area that are the world leaders in farming now because of technology, and they've really focused on food security being a sm- small area, but they produce more food out of a smaller geographical area than anywhere else in the world, and they're using technology. And so those are the kind of debates that are, I think are going to be coming uh, forward as well. One of the things I hope, if we can get to the other side of COVID, 
and start talking about those issues that are still before us. What does uh, climate change look like here in British Columbia in regards to, do we need to change how we uh, combat forest fires? Those are the issues that I think are very important for British Columbians as well. We've got a massive yes. issue still about, you know, the Massey Tunnel. Uh, do we still uh, build these large infrastructure projects? Because it's desperately needed, mm -hmm. but there are those who say... Yeah, you got your energy background there too. You know, climate change, energy, they're very closely tied to each other. No one thing exists in its own vacuum, does it, Jess? No, You'll have not. a chance to go through into all this. And I'm very excited about what you said about the food safety thing. You know, people forget just because we don't talk about it doesn't mean that there isn't an issue that exists somewhere. You know, we're all talking about what's in vogue, you know, climate, COVID, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. um, there's some many other great topics that do need to get exposure and, and audiences need to know about them so again yeah. very excited to hear about that listen we're going to wrap up here again but I'm, I'm hoping we can maybe do this more than once or twice over the next couple of months i'd love to have you back but what i do want to ask you is some of your faves we're going to wrap up with jazz's faves here all right so where do you live what part of vancouver is your favorite where do you eat what kind of music what do you like to do rapid round go <laughs> uh, my, I, I live in Tawasson, bc but i have as you stated the uh, been a, a taxpayer in New Delhi and in Beijing as well. Uh, my favorite movies, I love drama. I love thrillers. Um, so Mission Impossible, those kind of movies. Anything that's a bit escapist, I love Bond movies. Uh, I love the old Godfather <laughs> movies as well. It's part of me that used to cover organized crime. Uh, I love those. I love sweeping dramas. I love anything where there's good di dialogue between real human beings uh, and not the old you know, special effects uh, and superheroes all the time. Um, so, you know, I, Godfather is a classic one I really, really enjoyed. Um, like I said, I love the thrillers because they take you away. Spy novels as well is what I, what I like. Um, you know, my favorite food, uh, you know, I, I love Indian food because of my Indian heritage. Uh, but, you know, West Coast, anything West Coast, uh, I really, really enjoy. And having lived in China, um, Chinese is, is the other one that I really, really enjoy. I'm a foodie, so I can eat anything. Are you a foodie? Yeah, I'm a foodie. <laughs> But I love Chinese food as well, just because having lived in China, uh, it was just part of life. In fact, when I moved back yeah. to Vancouver, I, for the first little while, it felt odd using a fork. I remember coming back <laughs> and I just said, I mean, it's very practical and very usable, but it just took a little while because I was so used to using chopsticks uh, living in China. There you that, go. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a suburban dad. Uh, I've been married for uh, 21 years uh, as there of this go. year. And happily married, very lucky, and uh, and we have a son. He is 12 years old, on the verge of being a teenager, which means he uh -oh. probably has the world figured out very soon, and he'll be helping me out we on the talk show, I'm sure. <laughs> we should ask him on the air. He'll figure out the answers in five seconds. I'm familiar with that age group. They, they yeah. got it all. They got it all for sure. I wish I could think like that again. <laughs> Excellent. So, Jess, one more thing. What is your favorite part about British Columbia? Oh, it's diversity. Diversity of its nature, diversity of its people. Uh, that's what I love the most. I've been I've traveled over 150 communities in this province for the last almost 25 years, and there's so many characters, so many different unique communities, uh, our ethnic population as well. It's all it's very diverse. And then when you travel to the Prince Rupert's or it's Fort St. John or where I grew up in Williams Lake or the Kootenays or here in the Lower Mainland, the diversity of nature, the terrain, um, diversity I think is the word that I would use. It's it, there's no one place. Uh, that I say is my favorite. I love it all because I've traveled it and I enjoy it. Like I love, there's no better sunset in print than Prince Rupert in my mind. Uh, you know, I love driving into Williams Lake about a half an hour out 
the rolling hills of the caribou begin and i it's just it's one of my favorite uh, roads to drive you know um uh, i love uh, going running along centennial beach and tawasson um there's bits and pieces everywhere but if you if, if my favorite word is diversity it's not just the people but it's also the train of the nature so i love this province well, well, well said. Well, I am super looking forward to your first broadcast. Again, everybody, Jazz Joe Hall. He is the new host of the Yes, Jazz Joe Hall show on NW weekdays from 3 to 6 afternoon drive time. You're going to have some fun on the show, too, right? You know. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're not going to be all serious. Yeah. I mean, Jazz is, uh, he's, he's, He's quite handsome too. I mean, we'll have to get you back on the the video <laughs> here too. You know, as they say, he's 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 a wonderful. As I said, I can't gush enough about you. I, I don't play, I don't pretend to not be one of your favorite fans here. So I will well, certainly so be listening again as soon, Jess. And I we wish you the very best on this. And I do hope I'm going to publicly put you on the spot here again too, and just say, will you come back on the air with us as well? I I would love to. I would love to. There we go. I love to nail people with that one at the end of the show. It's always a great thing to know that you will be back. And we will be back, too, again, listeners. Thank you so much. I am Catherine Barr. It is West Vancouver Magazine Podcast. We are available on Spotify, Apple, all the usual podcast places. Very proud to be there. And, again, if anybody out there, look us up online, www.westvancouver.com. Until then, until next time, everybody stay in touch and save me a smile.